Amen. I want us to turn in our Bibles to James chapter 5, if we can do that, and then we're going to move, move through out the message today. I know Bruce was sharing last week throughout the services about becoming a citizen of heaven and the kingdom of God. And, and also Colin has been sharing today about rediscovering the kingdom of God. And the kingdom is here. Jesus turned up in Matthew 4 verse 17. He said, repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. And I want to propose to you tonight, what was he talking about when he was talking about the kingdom? The, the Jews and Israel were waiting for the kingdom, a natural kingdom. But what was he talking about? In, in simple form, he was talking about the kingdom of God and how himself is the king. But in simple form, he was saying, it's time to return home, amen? It's time to come on home. How the Jews had left God and they were wandering around without a purpose and a destiny. And then Jesus turned up as the Messiah and he said, listen, it's time for change. It's time for you to change your life. It's time for you to come home. In James chapter five, I was reading this throughout this week in preparation. It says in verse 19, my brothers and sisters, if one of you should wander from the truth and someone should bring that person back, Remember this, that whoever turns a sinner from the error of their way will save them from death and cover over a multitude of sins. In the context of this little verse, why would he say that? Remember, sinners are on their way to death. The Bible says the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life. It says if you turn a sinner back to God, you'll rescue them from death and you'll cover over a multitude of sins. When I read this verse this last week, I thought, you know what, God? This reminds me of something that I prayed about many years ago. And I don't know about you, what is valuable to you? What would you say that's valuable to you? Is it your watch? Is it your wedding ring? Is it your bank account? Is it your house? Is it your new car? What, what is valuable to you? You know, we can put value on the material things of this world, but what is valuable to you? And when I was seeking God, I prayed this prayer and I said, God, you know what? The greatest thing that I could see in life is to see people. And I was in the tabernacle when we had a tabernacle building in North Acton. And I was at the altar and I was praying. I said, Lord, the greatest thing that I could see in life is people coming home to you. People coming home to you. And I, I don't know if you've ever seen it when someone has given their life to Christ and they've come forward and it's raw. I mean, it's raw. They're letting everything hang out. They're, they're, they are crying. They're weeping. They're, they're not maybe the most smartly dressed and they just unashamedly want to get right with God. And when I read this verse, I was reminded about this prayer. And I said, God, you know what? The greatest uh, thing in life is to see somebody turn from their sin and turn to God. I remember being in my home and uh, I was praying for my brother and, and at that point when I came to Bible school, uh, my brother wasn't following God at all. And I would pray and I would pray and I'd pray and I'd pray and I'd pray and I wouldn't see any results. I wouldn't see him turn to God. And in fact, the contrary was true. I'd see him get deeper and deeper and deeper into sin. He was falling more and more away from God. And yet in my heart, I was thinking, my God, I want him to get saved. I want him to join me. I want to almost want to, your dream, isn't it? Your family will be part of your team. You're following God and you think, oh my God, it'll be good if my family followed God also. That's your dream. I remember when he texted me and he said, you know what? I've, I've been going to church again. I've been going to church again. 
And I remember being excited. Has something just stirred. I thought, you know what? This, this is what I've been praying about. How many people have ever felt that feeling? Ever heard from a family relative or a friend of someone turned to faith? There's an excitement there. And I remember having the opportunity to preach in the youth meeting back in my church when I was at home. And my brother was there and he was singing and he was rapping. And I remember just experiencing God's heart, thinking, God, you know what? This is what I was praying about. This is what I was excited about. Now to see him turn to you, something just stirred in my heart. I know every one of us tonight want to see a relative turn to God. We want to see a family member turn to God. We want to see people turn to God. And here he says, if someone turns someone back, he will turn them from death and cover over a multitude of sins. This is the kingdom of God for me. This is the kingdom of God calling people back home. Calling people back home into the church, into the kingdom of God, back to God. That's the call of the local church, to call people back to God. Now at the carnival, the reason we put up a great big sound system outside, in a sense, is to call people home. Uh, to call people home throughout the day to say, hey, come into church, come home, meet with Jesus. And there's people sharing the gospel out there. That's our home. That's our passion. I remember when we invited Tough Talk to be a part of the carnival. And it was their first time. And I don't know if you've ever heard of Tough Talk. They come year by year. And they, these powerful big men who have got radically saved. They used to be drug addicts. They're weightlifters. Some of them were, um, where, where there's a, a man who does this kind of action on the stage where he's got oil on his body. Uh, these kind of weightlifters. And they got radically born again. They go into prisons and they see people accept Christ. They call people in the prison home. And they came for the first time. I remember it was in the time where carnival was just chaotic. There was crowds of people outside uh, and there was crowds of people inside. Just to give you a, a kind of description of how the carnival was, there was a steward on the door and there were some people with beer cans, obviously intoxicated with alcohol. And the steward on the door was stopping them coming in. And I remember rushing to the door and saying, hey, don't stop them coming in. This is the people we want to come in. We want these people to come in and we want them to get saved. And so they would come in and often they would meet with God and they would hear the gospel and we'd see people saved out here. I remember at nine o'clock at night, we're still, I think we're over the legal limit of time at that point, but we were just so passionate in those days. And we, I got Tough Talk out of the room and I said, listen guys, let's get out there. There's an opportunity to preach the gospel and do another presentation. Well, these guys were really tired They'd been here the whole day and they probably drank about six to eight cups of coffee and they were like, okay, we'll go out there one more time. And sometimes when you, when everybody goes home and it's late at night and you don't feel like doing it, often that's when God turns up. Amen. And we went out there not knowing what was going to happen, but Tough Dog got back out there and they started doing their weights and sharing their testimony. And anyway, there was a woman out there. She was shouting and screaming. She was partying as carnival goers would party. And uh, she, she was just intoxicated with alcohol and probably a little demonized. And she was just shouting out and persecuting and shouting out profanities. And as Ian preached and shared his faith, something supernatural happened out there in the car park. The presence of God started to come. It's nine o'clock at night. The police were out there. The car park was filled. And this lady, suddenly the power of God just hit her and Ian preached the gospel to her. And suddenly she let out a shriek and suddenly she started to weep. 
And she came forward in the middle of that car park with tears down her face and she gave her life to Jesus. She gave her life to Jesus. I remember the picture of what was happening. Around the wall of the KT car park, people were praying. Evangelists were praying. People were weeping. There was something supernatural happening at that point. I wanna tell you that that's God the Father. That's God the Father sending out His church, preaching the gospel and seeing a woman who's disturbed and demonized suddenly melt down, receive deliverance and then receive the Lord. I remember Ian texted me a testimony in the week and often as we do carnival year by year uh, and we're preaching and we can throw out numbers, isn't it? But I tell you, a soul is valuable to God. A soul, one soul is, is valuable to God. And if we would glorify his name, if we would come to know him more, if we would receive his heart, then we would go out and make a difference for him. And Ian sent me this testimony. He was in his church and you know, you don't, in a large church, you don't know everybody. Like in KT, you might be here for five or 10 years, but you don't know everybody here in the church. And Ian's out there, he's an itinerant, and he sent me this uh, testimony of a girl in his own church that he'd never met before who volunteers for the youth ministry. She sent him this testimony how at age eight, she gave her life to Jesus at the carnival. At age eight, she gave her life to Jesus at the carnival. She, she writes this, I went to the Notting Hill Carnival in 2003. At the time, I was only 10 years old and wasn't keen on going to the Notting Hill Carnival after hearing how messy it can get. However, my mum insisted I go with her and the family. Later on, my mum and I noticed a long queue outside a tall building and we decided to join the queue of curiosity. That building was Kensington Temple. And as they joined that queue, I, I, I grew up, going to church, she says, every Sunday, I'm no stranger to that environment. You could say I knew the routine, singing and clapping, followed by a man in a suit reading the Bible. This was all the usual stuff I came to notice. But at that point in the service, it was time for my nap, she says. You know how kids are. But she said, after praise and worship had finished, I was preparing to take my nap after a long day at the carnival, but I was taken by surprise when I saw a group of strong men known as Tough Talk come up on the stage and lift their heavy weights. This was definitely something I had never seen in church before. The members of Tough Talk each shared their testimonies of how God gave them strength to break free from tough situations they were in, including drugs and alcohol, addiction, crime, fear, and depression. But what grasped my attention was when one of the leaders of Tough Talk said, you're not a Christian just because your family are Christians. You're not a Christian just because you go to church on Sunday. As a child brought up in a Christian family and attending church every Sunday, I thought I knew it all and I had my ticket to heaven because of my family. But to hear that wasn't the case took me by surprise. The leader, Tough Talk, then carried on to say, those things do not make you a Christian. You must make a personal choice to accept Jesus as your Lord and Savior and ask him personally so that you can come into a relationship with him. No one can do this for you. It's a personal choice. You have to make your own heart's decision with your mouth. He then gave everyone an opportunity to make that personal decision to accept Jesus and become a Christian. After this revelation, I chose to make my personal decision to receive Jesus as my Lord and Savior. 
She says there, I'm now 22, and my relationship with Jesus has been so much more intimate since my experience with Tough Talk and the Notting Hill Carnival. Jesus is more important, just, he's not just a guy here at church or a man my, my mom used to tell me about. Jesus is my friend, and when I'm in need, he is my healer. When I'm sick, he, he is my healer. He's the only person I seek to please. He is the one who shows me how to live and love. Jesus has continued to amaze me with his provision and grace. I'm now a youth worker and Sunday school teacher, and now I have the opportunity to tell other children about my own relationship with Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. Amen. That was a bit long, but that, that just gives you an impression of all those children that have ever given their life to Christ. Where are they to now? Where are they tonight? And you've got a testimony tonight of a 10-year-old girl who was with her mom. She just came to Carnival, and she wasn't expecting to come into KT. She didn't have a personal relationship with God. She just had a religious relationship with God because of her parents. But when Tough Talk preached in KT, at that moment, she received the love of Jesus. And she turned her heart to God. The Bible says in Luke 15 that there's a party in heaven over one sinner who turns to God. There's a party in heaven over one sinner who turns to God. And here's a story in Luke 15 of the prodigal son in verse 11. And Jesus told this story. Why? Because the Pharisees were, were, were asking a question and they were saying, why does Jesus hang around with tax collectors and sinners? Why does Jesus hang around with tax collectors and sinners? And Jesus started to tell the story of the lost sheep and the lost coin and how that was his purpose. And he tells a story about the prodigal son. There was a man who had two sons. The younger one said to his father, Father, give me my share of the estate. So he divided his property between them. Not long after, that younger son got together all he had and set off for a distant country. And there he squandered his father's wealth on wild living. After he spent everything, there was a severe famine in that whole country and he began to be in need. So he went and hired himself to a citizen of that country who sent him to his field to feed pigs. He longed to fill his stomach with the pods that the pigs were eating, but no one gave him anything. And when he came to his senses, he said, how many of my father's hired servants have food to spare? And here I am starving to death. I will set out and go back to my father and say to him, Father, I've sinned against heaven and against you. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your hired servants. So he got up and went to his father. But while he was still a long way off, he saw his father. His father saw him and was filled with compassion for him. He ran to his son and threw his arms around him and kissed him. And the son said, Father, I've sinned against heaven and against you. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. Bring, bring the, but the father said to his servants, quick, bring the best robe. Put it on him. Put a ring on his finger and a sandal on his feet. Bring the fattened calf and kill it. Let's have a feast and celebrate. For this son of mine was dead and is alive again. He was lost and he is found. So they began to celebrate. That's what heaven does when a son or a daughter of God returns to him. When a sinner repents and turns to God, heaven has a party. Hallelujah. I want to be a part of that party. 
I want to be part of the party of heaven, of calling people home to repentance. Now this story, this man, he was a, a younger son, two sons, and he went to his father and said, Lord, he said, Father, give me my share. Give me my share. Now, when you look at this story, what was he saying there? Give me my share of the estate. Give me my inheritance right now. Well, obviously something happened. He was literally rejecting his father. He was literally wishing that his father was dead and saying, listen, I wish you were dead. Just give me my inheritance right now. I remember when I was 16 years old and I remember having a similar conversation with my own father. Now, I don't know if you've ever had this conversation with your own father. Now, the, the conversation wasn't really a conversation. It was more of a comment by my dad. And at 16, my dad was quite wealthy. And he just around the table one day just said, you know what, if you're waiting for me to die, then, then wait again. If you're waiting for, for the inheritance to come your way, then wait again, because I'm gonna spend all my money and you're getting nothing. Now, you might not think my dad is, is compassionate, but what he meant was you better work for a living. You better get a job. But that was his way of saying, don't wait around for me. I'm gonna spend all my money. I'm gonna enjoy my money. But this son, he wasn't like that. He didn't respond in that way. You know, that I responded, I was quiet. But this son said to his dad, you know, dad, I wish you were dead right now. Just give me my money. And so he goes off and he squanders his living and he doesn't invest it in London property. He doesn't invest it wisely. He spends it all on ungodly living. Here you see some factors. There was a relationship would break down here. He, he, before he said to his dad, I, I wanna have my inheritance, obviously there was some difficulties that he was facing. There was a reason why he left home in the first place. I remember when I was in church, when I was a child, and talk about having a relationship with God based on religion. My mother said to me, she said, when I was 13, she said, Christian, you know, I took you to church to age 13. Now it's up to you whether you want to serve God or not, whether you want to go to church or not. And I, I remember without even a blink, I just said to myself, you know what? I don't want to go to church anymore. Church for me is boring. It's full of religious people who say one thing and do another thing. That was my mindset. And I thought, you know what, hooray, I can do my own thing right now. And so I stopped going to church. And I remember making that decision to stop going to church. But what happened to me, like this boy here, this son, he cut off the relationship with his dad. He cut off his source. And when I cut off church, then I cut off my relationship with God. And quickly I started to backslide. Why? Because something else needed to fill the void. And here, what was filling the void for this young man was going out partying, going out spending his money, going out enjoying himself, but he didn't have what brought real enjoyment. He didn't have a home anymore. I remember when my mother sold the house and I was down at the Bible school, I was about 20, and my mom just said, we've sold, we've sold the family home. And I remember feeling when I went back home, it wasn't home anymore. It wasn't home anymore because I thought, you know what, this is not my house. This is a new house. This is where my brothers live. And it didn't feel like home. This young boy, he left his home and he was in a place that wasn't home. He spent all his money and he was just there left in a really bad situation. He says there, I will now return to my father. I will now return to my father. Now, this is a special moment when someone gives their life to Christ and they suddenly realize, you know what? I've been going the wrong way. I've been doing the wrong things. 
Now, tonight, I know that maybe there's only 10% of people here tonight who don't have a personal relationship with God. But what about the 90% of us here tonight who are Christians who've wandered away from God? God is not first place in our life at the moment. We used to be devoted to him. And we've wandered our own way. The Bible says there's a way that seems right to man, but in the end it leads to death. God has a destiny. He has a right time. This man was in the wrong place at the wrong time and he couldn't even get food from the pigs. He was in a really bad situation. And he suddenly realized, you know what? It's better that I be at home, amen? Now, home's a really great place. I don't know if you've ever had the opportunity to go home, uh, enjoy. When I go to see my dad, I look forward to, to the lamb uh, and the roast potatoes and the gravy um, because there's nothing like it. My dad's wife is a great cook and I just sit down and enjoy the lovely food. And when I'd go home, uh, before my mom sold the house, I would go in and everything in the fridge belonged to me. No, literally everything in the fridge belonged to me. So I'd cook about three or four meals because I was a student, so I wasn't particularly eating in those days. But when you go home, home is home. And you, it's like you own everything. And you can go where you want because it's your house. But this man had lost his home. He'd lost his relationship with his dad. And he suddenly realized, you know what? It's better to be a hired servant in my father's house. I better return to God. I want to ask you a question. That how is your devotional life with God? How is your relationship with God? How, how, how is your prayer life with God? Do you love God? Are you still following God? Because when we're coming to ask people to be involved in the carnival, we want to ask people who are in love with God. You can't tell people about God if you're not in love with God. This man had lost his connection with God. He'd lost his connection with his father. And he said, you know, I'm not even a son anymore. I've rejected my father so much. I've done so many bad things. I'm not even a son anymore. I'll just go back and be a hired servant. Now we realize the love of God in this passage because he looks like he's repentant. He looks like he's turned to God. It says here in, in verse 20, so he got up and went to his father. And while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and was filled with compassion for him. He ran to his son and threw his arms around him and he kissed him. And he said, he said, Father, I've sinned against heaven against you. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said, quick, bring the best robe, put it on him. Put a ring on his finger and sandals on his feet. Bring the fan carb and kill it. Let us have a feast for this son of mine was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. And they began to celebrate. The father had compassion on the son. Hallelujah. I want to tell you tonight, the best place for you to ever be is to be in the presence of your Father. The best place for you, if you're confused, if you're in sin, if you're struggling, if you're in debt, if there's difficulty in your life, the best place for you to be is to come home. To come home in your relationship with God. Get on your knees afresh and say, Father, I want to worship you. I want my devotional life to be fresh and to be new. 2 Corinthians 5, 17 says, In Christ I'm a new creation. Old things have gone and new things have come. Hallelujah. When something new happens to you, God takes the stony heart out and he gives you a heart of flesh. I want to turn over to Philippians chapter three. Paul has this passion to know Christ. And when we're thinking kingdom-minded, when we want to be kingdom people, we've got to think, you know what? Is Christ at the center of my life? Is Christ the most important thing? If God was to take everything else away from my life, what would be the most important? 
What would be the most important to you? Philippians chapter three and verse seven says, but whatever things were gained to me, I consider loss for the sake of Christ. What is more, I consider everything a loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord, for whom, for whose sake I've lost all things. I consider them as garbage that I may gain Christ and be found in him, not having my own righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ. The righteousness that comes from, Christ, that comes from God by faith. I want to know Christ, yes, to know the power of his resurrection and participate in his sufferings, becoming like him in his death, and somehow to attain the resurrection from the dead. Not that I've already attained all this, not that I've arrived at my goal, but I press on to take hold of that which Christ Jesus has took hold of me. What was Paul saying? You know, all the degrees, all the titles, all the things I've experienced in God, you know what, I consider them loss for the sake of gaining Christ. What is he saying? He's saying Christ is the most important thing in my life. In fact, the most important thing in my life is to know Christ. To know Christ, my devotional life, my personal time with him is the most important time of the week. That's what he's saying. You know what? I've evangelized. I've seen miracles. I've seen people turn to God. But the most important is to know God. It's to know Christ what did the son feel like in the father's arms? What did he experience in the father's arms, in that closeness with God, when the father was gripping him and said, hey, and he started to call his servants, hey, my son was dead, he's alive again. He was lost and he's found. What was, what was the son feeling? He was feeling acceptance. The father at no point rejected him and said, hey, you worthless idiot. He didn't reject him at any point. He just completely accepted him. In fact, you could probably picture tears in the father just literally grabbing his child and say, hey, my son was away, but he's found again. One of my friends, he said, his son ran out the other day and they didn't know where he was. And suddenly they searched everywhere in the entire vicinity and they went down to the community park to see his son just there swinging in the swing without any care in the world. And he tells the story how, how he just grabbed him. He didn't know what to think. And, and you know what? The feeling of a father gripping a child when the child is lost, that's what the father was gripping his son and saying, hey, my son was lost, but he's found again. See, that's how God feels about you. God loves you with an everlasting love. God is love. And he loves you. And he just wants to embrace you. And he was embracing the son. And he was saying, you know what? I forgive you. I am gonna forget what you've done. I'm gonna embrace you. We're gonna have a party because my son was lost and he's found again. I want you to bow your head in prayer tonight. The son says, I will return to God. I'll return to my father. The father has compassion on the son. And then there's a party. And the father puts a ring of authority on his finger and a cloak of righteousness on his back. He completely adopts him and forgives him and brings him back into the family and gives him back his authority. I said at the beginning, number one, our job is to glorify him. Number two, our job and our desire should be to know him. And when we come to know him, we receive his heart. 
And when we receive his heart, we desire to tell others about him. Jonah said, I'll remember the Lord. When he remembered the Lord, God spoke to the fish and spewed him back on dry ground. And he went into preached to Nineveh and he saw many people come to faith in God. I want you to bow your head in prayer right now. And I'm going to give you an opportunity in this place today to come back to God. Now, before we pray tonight for people for the first time to come back to God, I want to ask you a question. You who are here today, how's your devotional life with God? How's your worship life with God? How's your personal life with God? Right now, in your own words, just make a fresh commitment to Him. In your own words right now, come back to the Father. Come back home. Set up a place in your room, in your bedroom that says, you know what? You know, that's God's place. That's a home. That's the place where I'm going to worship God. If the worship team can just come back right now. That's the place I'm going to build for God. I'm going to put God first place in my life. And as we move forward into the carnival, out of that personal relationship with God the Father, out of that personal relationship with God, we're going to begin to make a difference for Him. So just bow your head in prayer right now. I'm going to pray a prayer in this place tonight. And if you're in this place today and you've never received Christ and you've never dedicated your life to God, and you need his forgiveness. You know you've wandered from God like the prodigal son. You've wandered away from faith. You've wandered away from him tonight. And you're saying to me, Christian, you know what? I want to turn to him tonight. I want to believe in Christ. I want a new relationship with God. I want Christ in my life. I need his forgiveness. Whoever, every head is bowed and every eye is closed right now. I'm going to pray this prayer tonight. And if you want Jesus in your heart tonight, I want you to pray this prayer. It's a prayer of forgiveness. It's a prayer of turn to God. Just say, Lord Jesus, I come before you tonight and I admit that I've let you down. I admit that I'm a sinner. I've turned away from you. But tonight I realize that I need you in my life. I believe that you died on the cross. I believe you rose again on the third day. And I know that you can forgive me. Lord, forgive me right now. And I turn to you tonight. Thank you, Lord, for accepting me. This day I choose to follow you.